Amen, beloved. That song just does it for me. Um, Alex Bengal on the bass. Um, he loves these type of songs. He loves the songs where the church as the body can sing. It's not just a rock concert. If my guys, my girls that are on stage, if they ever become a rock concert, I want you to get up and just walk out. Because that song is the way we should live. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We read from Revelations, I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. There's only one, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, beloved. So good morning. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Reggie, and I'm one of the elder pastors here at Beloved Church. And you know what? They told me to trade in your guitar today for a microphone like this, like the Britney Spears microphones. I wasn't too sure. Um, but um, as we get started, as we continue in our time of worship, um, we've sang songs of praise to the true and the living God. Amen? We've come to the table in remembrance of what he's done for us, the body broken for us, the blood poured out for us. May we never forget that, church. May we be about this about who God is, amen? So we get to dive into God's word. I'm excited, I'm overjoyed to bring the word. I'm in anticipation for what God's gonna do, amen? So would you mind praying with me and praying for me that God will reveal himself to us? Amen, is that okay, can you do that with me? So God, we come to you and we are grateful and thankful for who you are. God, we thank you for your presence, we feel your presence. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven, earth, everyone shall sing your praises because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask that you be in our midst as we dive into your word, God, your love letter to us. God, speak to us, speak truth, speak life. God, I ask for me personally that there's less of me, more of you, less of me, more of you as I bring your word to your people. God's people say, Amen. Amen. So there is a game. I am the, I'm the oldest brother of two. I have two younger brothers, and there's a game that I used to play with my brothers. It was actually a game that I used to try to mess with them. If you're an older sibling, you know what I'm talking about. We love messing with our younger siblings. So it's called, well, I call it pick a hand. I don't know what the rest of the world call it. The idea is, in one hand, I'll have objects that my brothers wanted. Like, again, I'm the oldest. My goal is to not get them to see that hand. In the other hand, I would have an object of lesser value or no object at all. And I would put it behind my back. Can you see me? Camera, can you see me? And then I would bring it back to the front, but I would try to mess with them. And even if it was that hand, I would switch quickly and they would have to guess. All right, so there's a game that I wanna play with you guys. And beloved students, beloved kids, you're in here. Any of you beloved kids, do you love Starburst? Mr. Reggie, if you know Mr. Reggie, my favorite Starburst is the pink one. I don't know why. It just hits the soul just right. If you love Starburst, raise your hand. You love Starburst? Okay, let's get you. Come on down. Come on down. It's okay. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. Quinn, let's let her come on down. I'll use you for the next one. I promise. Come on down. All right. So, Mr. Reggie got Miss Jessica to buy me a bunch of Starburst. My favorite part about this one is this one specifically says for sharing. Okay, watch your step. Watch your step. Okay, so here's the game. I'm going to put, let's see how many I can put in. One, two, three. What color is your favorite color? Purple, purple's your favorite. My wife's favorite color is purple too. So, okay, I think I can do. There's like six in here. Can you see it? No. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right. So this is what we're gonna do. There's gonna be six Starburst in this hand. I promise I'm not gonna pay a trick on her, guys and girls. I'm not gonna pay a trick on her. It's gonna be the hand with the ring and the watch. I want you to memorize it. Ring, watch. I'm gonna put it behind my back, but it's the hand with the ring and the watch. Everybody see the ring and the watch. But in this hand, I'm gonna grab something else out of its pocket. But I'm gonna tell you now, it's not gonna be as good as the Starburst. Yeah. <laughs> All right? I promise I won't trick you. So in this hand is something different, but I'm not gonna tell you. 
But remember, the one with the ring and the watch. You ready? Here we go. Shuffling it up, shuffling it up, doing a little dance, doing a little dance, shuffling it up. Remember, the ring and the watch. Are you ready? The ring and the watch. Pick a hand. Here we go. Which hand would you pick? Okay, guys and girls, she went the one without the ring and the watch because she realized that Mr. Mangle, Mr. Mangle, Reggie said that he, had, he was the oldest brother. So in this hand, tell him what that is. A penny. Not worth anything. Okay, that, okay, wait, stop. Everybody was quiet. That feeling. Hold on to it. But I'm going to give you these. Thanks. I want you to share with your sister and your mom. All right, watch your step down. Thank you so much. Give it up for her. She's awesome. And her Crocs are amazing. Now, the reason I wanted to share that, when I talked to the guys and I was like, hey, I'm going to do this sermon. I'm going to do the Starburst. You know, Reggie, you know you're going to have to give to everybody. Yes. What if the, stu- the kid picks a different hand? I'm that guy. I'm not going to pick the hand that's telling me, hey, trust me, I won't deceive you. Pick the other hand, all right? And that's what this is about, all right? As we have been talking through this sermon series, we have one more. This week, I'm tossing up an alley-oop for Kevin so he can dunk it for next week. We've been talking about being people of peace and hospitality. As we are slowly removing the mask, as we are slowly getting into the 100% here, 100% there, can we remove the mask of our souls? Can we be people of peace and hospitality the way Christ would want us to be? So this idea of pick a hand is what I want you to want us to focus on today. Because with choices and decisions, again, with choices and decisions we make come ownership. And church, that's the tension we have today. Especially in such an affluent culture like ours. Here in America, we can be prideful, we can be a little bit boastful, right? Especially in our culture, we do our best to avoid owning our consequences, and our decisions. We do our best. So last week, because I got to catch us up, this is the last week recap. Unbeloved, last week. Boop, boop. Last week, if you haven't caught up with our series, you can find it online, our YouTube, a beloved church. Um, Kevin talked about or spoke about betrayal. The hand is always going to start linking together, betrayal. When we are the ones being betrayed, we want mercy. Right? We want grace. When we are the ones betraying someone, we want mercy. We want grace. But we're never the ones to hand that out first. Right? So Absalom, David is king of the throne in Israel. Absalom, his son, turns the heart of the people. He basically says, hey, listen, David is too busy. Kevin is too busy. Check Reggie out. Check Absalom out. All right? And he turns their heart, and now he is saying, I'm going to claim the throne. So now David, his servants, his family, his wives, his kids, they're on the run. Because his kingdom no longer is his. Absalom have turned their heart. Kevin spoke about chapter 15. I'm going to talk about chapter 24. Here's the catch now. There's a civil war, a civil unrest. There's battles happening. You have Israel versus Israel. David versus Absalom. Father versus son. Can it get any more crazier than that? However, God grants David victory place him back on the throne, and his son Absalom dies. So that's where we pick up today. So if you have your copy of scripture, like I prayed earlier, there's something amazing about God's people reading his word, reading his love letter to us. So we're going to read together. If you would mind following along with me online, if you would mind following along with me, we're going to be reading 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. If you're there, let me hear Amen. I just want to make sure you talk. I'm the pastor that loves feedback. I talk a lot, so I want a lot of feedback. 
The Lord's anger burned against Israel again and stirred up David against them to say, go, count the people of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of his army, go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and register the troops so I can know their number. Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times more um, than they are while the Lord my king looks on. But why does the Lord my king want to do this? Yet the king's orders prevailed over Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the armies left the king's presence to register the troops. Here we go. They crossed the Jordan and camped in Aurora, south of the town in the middle of the valley, and then proceeded toward Gad and Jazer. They went to Gilead and then to the land of the Hittites and continued on to Danjan and around Sidon. They went to the fortress of Tyre and, and all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Afterwards, they went to Negev of Judah at Beersheba. Here we go, church. When they had gone through the whole land, they returned to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Joab gave the king the total of the registration of the troops. There were, you ready? 800,000 armed men from Israel and 500,000 men from Judah. David's conscience troubled him after he had taken the census of the troops. He said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, Lord, because I've been very foolish, ding, 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 Reggie, please take away your servant's guilt. When David got up in the morning, the word of the Lord had come to the prophet Gad, David's seer. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I am offering you three choices. Choose one of them, and I will do it to you. So Gad went to David and told him the choices and asked him, do you want three years of famine to come on your land, to flee from your foes or your enemies for three months while they pursue you, or, have, or to have a plague in your land for three days? Now consider carefully what answer I should take back to the one who sent me. David answered Gad, I have great anxiety. Please let us fall into the Lord's hands because his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from the morning until the appointed time, and from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men died. Then the angel extended his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it. But the Lord relented concerning the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, enough, withdraw your hand now. The angel of the Lord was, was then at the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. When David saw the angel striking the people, he said to the Lord, look, I am the one who has sinned. I am the one who has done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and my father's family. Gad came to David that day and said to him, go up and set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. David went up in obedience to Gad's command, just as the Lord had commanded. Aruna looked down and saw the king and his servants coming towards him, so he went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? David replied, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord so the plague on the people may be halted. Aruna said to David, my lord, the king may take whatever he wants and offer it. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Aruna gives everything here to the king. Then he said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. The king answered Aruna, 
No. I insist on buying the land from you for a price, for I will not offer to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 20 ounces of silver. He built an altar to the Lord there and, and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. The, then the Lord was receptive to the prayer from the land and the plague on Israel ended. I know this seems like a lot, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff when the Bible is so vivid and the imagery is there. So the first thing you see here is um, that the Lord's anger burned or stirred up David's heart to take a census. Usually when pastors, theologians, teachers, when they talk about this scripture, when they talk about this passage, they usually go to 1 Chronicles 21.1. And here's why I'm going to show you. So 1 Chronicles is just a few books later. And it basically says in 1 Chronicles 21.1, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to count the people of Israel. Okay, so... A few books later, Reggie, we're going to have this same problem again? Yes. And here's why. Satan turns David's heart, right, to take a census. I believe the devil, he takes, he tricks us, or he uses his conniving ways to get us to sin, to get us to buy into these selfish desires, these selfish ambitions to do what is wrong. But in the case of God, especially in the case of David here, we see that God was doing something or revealing something deeper in David's heart. Maybe he's revealing something deeper in our hearts. Maybe there's a sin that we've been holding on to that's been dormant. We talk about Kevin went to Hawaii, and Hawaii is known for their volcanoes. Sometimes they're dormant, and sometimes they're very well alive. And what sin are we holding on to? But again, why was David's need to take a census of the people of Israel and Judah so wrong? He's the king, right? Exodus chapter 30, verse 11 through 16 says it this way. Based on the law, based on the reason one would take a census, wasn't just to count the people. Church, it wasn't. It was to buy an offering or buy a sacrifice or an atonement for their lives, for their sins, to who they belong to. And in this case, the people of Israel did not belong to David. They, did not, they were not there to build up his selfish ambition, his pride on who he was, or to show how great or grand his kingdom was or was becoming. The people of Israel belonged to God. Psalms 33, verse 11 through 12 says it like this, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. His plans of his heart from generation to generation Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen to be his possession. What I believe that's happening here, church, is that God was revealing something in David's heart. He was revealing that his confidence, David's confidence, was in his men. David's confidence was in his army. David's confidence would not, was not in his source, the God who had been there since day one. So we continue in verse 10. So 2 Samuel, verse 24, verse 10. After they had taken the census, here we go. David's conscience troubled him after he had taken the census of the troops. After you do something wrong, do you feel that? It's the spirit moving, the guilt. And he says, he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, Lord, because I've been very foolish, please take away your servant's guilt. Church, this is a hard one. This is a hard pill to swallow. Because sin doesn't just stop or end after you've done it. 
I'm going to say that part again. Sin doesn't just stop or end after you have done it. Church, it comes with a host of baggage. In David's case, guilt, fear, hurt, brokenness, defeat, pain, worry, destruction, death. It saddens me to read this because I see myself in this, and maybe you do too. And you could say, amen. It's okay. But it breaks my heart because just because I'm on stage right here, guys and girls, promise you, I'm, I still fall victim to this because I'm not the first to say, hey, you know, my flaws, I want you to see them, I'm wrong. I want to take ownership of it. I'm not that guy. I want to be. One of your elder pastors just admitted, it's hard for me to be like, I want my forgiveness first. You know, I'm not willing to offer that hand. But God always places people in our lives. He puts people in our lives who calls us out on it. Right? Who calls us out on our sins because they don't want just us to have a good life. They want us to live the godly life. Verse 11 talks about that person. Now you may look back and say, well, Joab, he was that guy. He was like, my Lord, my King, why do we want to count the troops? But here we go. Verse 11, when David got up the morning, that morning, so he's dealing with guilt probably didn't sleep much. The Lord, sorry, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David, seer. Those are interchangeable. Prophet and seer are interchangeable. So he came to him, he says, go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I am offering you three choices. Choose one of them and I will do it to you. All right. Kevin spoke about this last week and I call it the aftermath. He talked about the double bind. If you know what a double bind is, just go ahead, nod your head, double bind. Double bind is basically that lose-lose situation. I have a choice, and I got to pick one of them, but both are horrible. Horrible. I'm not, I just have to pick one, but it's going to be bad. I want to introduce the triple bind, TM. I don't know if copyright, go ahead and put Reggie's name on it. The triple bind. The triple bind in this situation, I think of Aladdin. Kids, have you guys seen Aladdin, the new one, Will Smith? People didn't like it. I like Will Smith. I think he's awesome. So the triple bind, I want to introduce you. When you look at this, you're going to say, and we're going to read the three choices, but you're going to say, Reggie, bro, and you can call me bro, bro, I don't want any of these choices. Like, like, but that goes back to that word about sin. When we have sinned, when we have done wrong, it comes with a host of baggage. And let me tell you why. The only thing we deserve, church, the Bible tells us the penalty for sin is death. We deserve death. So we look at these three choices. You ready? So verse 14, verse 15, it says, three choices, three years of famine. All right, don't raise your hand. Let's pretend. Show of hands, who would like three years of famine? And if you don't know what famine is, research. Do some research. Google that bad boy. Ask Kevin. Three years of famine. I'm from a Caribbean island, and when there's hurricane season and we get destroyed, we, we always get destroyed, we're waiting, we're waiting for America to show up, their military to show up with food, cheese, bread, take, uh, Pop-Tarts, bring something. Three years of famine, we could do that. No food in the land, no water, dry. You can't grow anything. Or would you like to have, would you like to flee from your home for three months so your enemy kicks you out of your comfortability? After this, where are you guys headed? Probably to a restaurant, and then you're heading home. Your spot, your comfortability. It gets worse. So three months, you can flee from your foes, your enemies, from your comfortability, and they're still pursuing you. So not only do you flee from your home, but now they still want to destroy you. Or three days of a plague. Now, again, 
God is not like Aladdin and the genie. He's not giving us these wishes or these grants because that's what he wants to do. God is good. His heart is good. When we've done wrong, there has to be a correction. But I want us to check out David's answer. So verse 14, if you're tracking along with me, 2 Samuel 24, verse 14, because I think his answer, his response is what is like really important not to miss. David answered Gad, I have great anxiety. Okay, so I don't know if you guys know this, but Reggie has ADHD. I'm Reggie, by the way, I have ADHD. Um, If you start talking to me and you're like, Josh is talking about disc golf, I move on to the next thing really quickly. Okay, blah, 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 blah. so if you gave me three different choices, I'm thinking, okay, if we do three years of famine, I could talk to Chris. I know he's really good with his hands, resources. We can start putting up food. Okay, 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 what if we did the uh, enemies? Okay, like probably Mark. Mark's a great fighter. I don't know, Mark, are you a great fighter? <laughs> we can have Mark come up. Mark's gonna defend us. He's gonna tell us what to do. Okay, three years, three months of that or three days of plague. So I'm gonna just go to my wife's counselor, which is my wife, Jess. Should we do three days of a plague? I mean, it kills off a couple people. Whoa. It kills off a couple people, 70,000 men. Now, when we think of numbers, for some reason, I don't know if you're like me, Alex, I think about money, numbers and money. If you say 70,000, I'm like, man, hmm, I'm gonna buy a beloved church. I'm gonna buy a building. I think we can get a building for 50,000. Can we get, no, or we need like a million. No, Alex is like false. Josh, you're like false. When you think between, when you counted the troops and you have 800,000 men, armed men in Israel and 500,000 men in Judah and God kills off 70, God, because of sin, the plague kills off 70,000, that's, is that justified? But David's response, he says, I have great anxiety, catch this, but please, Let us fall into the Lord's hands because his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into human hands. Church, I pray that for you. I pray that you have wisdom like that. David is called a man after God's heart. I pray that we have a heart for God. That when we have done wrong, that we can turn to him and say, God, I fall into your hands because your mercies are new each day. David wanted to fall into the hands of the Lord because church, can I tell you, and Kevin spoke about this last week on betrayal, if you have done wrong to someone, right? If you've done wrong to someone, what do they want? They want justice. When you think about that word mercy, God's mercy, it's a foreign language to us here in America. It's something foreign to our vocabulary, to society. Because church, can I tell you, if you've done me wrong, I want retribution. I'm gonna take your butt to court. I want justice. I want what's right for me, myself, and I. Can I talk for real for you, with you guys right now? And you don't have to raise your hand, I'll raise it for us. <laughs> because that's true, I want what's right for me. But then there's this verse, there's this chapter, there's this book called Lamentations. And in my beginnings, when I was a, my parents were pastors, and from young, Until now, and I hope in the future, Lamentations chapter three, verse 22 and 23 has been very important for my spiritual walk with Christ. Very important for my Christian walk. If you are able to write this down, I recommend doing that. If you are on your phone, type it out. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22 and 23. And I wanna read it to you. So Lamentations three, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new. Beloved, God knows the plans he has set before you. He sees and knows the deepest, darkest parts of your heart. He knows when you rise in the morning and when you lay your head down for bed. He knows your every thought. And you know what? He gives you an opportunity to make it right. He gives you an opportunity to come before his throne and to say, God, I need your forgiveness. I was wrong in what I said to my coworker. I was wrong in what I did to my wife. I was wrong in what I did to my church, to my friends, to my family. I need your mercy, I need your grace, which he so freely gives to you, church, because of his faithful love. So ownership. We talked about it at the beginning. With choices and decision come ownership. Up until now, verse one through 10, and verse 11 through 14, David is remorseful. Do you agree? Can I hear your voice? Do you agree? He's remorseful. Right? He's prayed and asked God for his mercy. We can agree. But has David taken ownership yet? Okay. So he's remorseful, Reggie. That first verse 10 says, Lord, take away the guilt from me. Did he say, like, hey, help the land? No, take away the guilt from me. All right. Hey, I have a great anxiety. God, I come to your mercy. Like, I need you. Those are all prayers. But has he taken ownership? No. So the Lord sent that plague, 70,000. Now, I want you to pretend to be David for a minute. You're the king. Anything you say, anything you want, anything you need, your servants will get to you. All right? So that power. Imagine looking ahead of you, and this is honestly verse 17. Imagine looking ahead of you, and you see the angel, the plague, striking men, women, children, just striking them down. One to just like destroying them, the destruction. Okay, first of all, I can't imagine that. I've no, I know about war. You know, I've never been in a war. I'm not a military. And I, the, the ones who serve and, and get, put their lives on the line for us, wow, like I'm not worthy to be in your presence because it takes someone that has that heart. Me, for you guys, anybody walks in this door, I got you. But imagine being King David and watching the angel strike down. This is where David has a turning of the heart. And this isn't David taking ownership and making decisions on the own. This is God working. All right, so verse 17. Verse 17 says, When David saw the angel striking the people, he said to the Lord, Look, look, I am the one to blame. I am the one who has done wrong. I am the one who has sinned. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and my father's family. You agree that's ownership right there? Because with ownership and responsibility, you must tie action to words. David had nice words. God, remove the guilt from me. Okay, remove the sin, the guilt from me. God, remove, um, I want your mercy, your hands, like your mercies are new each morning, so I want that. But he never took ownership. So we continue in verse 18. The Lord hears him. So Gad, the prophet, the seer, comes to David and says to him, go up and set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna. Aruna is just a gentleman. He's a man and he's a Jebusite. So go to where his property was in Jerusalem and set up an altar for the Lord. David, this is verse 19. David went up in obedience to, 
God's command, just as the Lord commanded. Keyword, obedience. When correction is brought about, you can take it, you can receive correction, and you've heard the saying, kids, you've probably heard the saying, man, you don't listen that well. It goes in one ear and out the other. Again, ownership and responsibility, it's important to tie action to words. And in this case, the prophet comes to him and says, hey, God hears you, David. God heard you. Set up an altar for him. David gets up and moves in obedience. And God sees that. God sees that and he gives David an opportunity to make it right. So let's keep reading. So Aruna, the Jebusite, right? He comes to him and again, God puts people in our lives for a reason to speak truth. Aruna is not another one like that. Because if you read verse 20 all the way to 23, it says, whatever you want, king. You want land? I got you. You want the oxen? You want the threshing sledges? You want the yokes? Oaks? Oxen? You got it. Just take it. He's probably fumbling over it. King, your majesty, whatever you want. He says when he sees king and his servants, he bows before him. Whatever you need. But David says this in verse 24, and that's what I want us to catch. David says, the king answered Aruna, no, I insist on buying it from you for a price, for I will not offer to the Lord a burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David wanted to offer a sacrifice that cost him something, church. Because as we can agree, if your parents in a room or your teachers, and I know we have a lot of those, when you offer something, it has a little bit more value. It has a little bit more weight. And I heard Chris said it this way. He said, David understood the redemption cost. He understood that it cost a price. So again, this is just a foreshadowing church. When we read God's word, if we're not pointing you to the gospel, to the good news that is Jesus Christ, then we're wrong. And this is just a foreshadowing. David wanted to offer a sacrifice that cost him something. Now, let your spiritual ears listen for a moment. Jesus came to offer a sacrifice that cost him everything. Jesus came to offer, capital T-H-E, the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, once and for all, debt cleared and paid. No comeback, no take backs. Jesus came to offer a sacrifice that cost him everything. His life. And that is mercy. That is love. So as we continue to think and pray about these sermon series, we got one more. Like I said, I'm tossing up an alley-oop for Kevin right now. If you're a basketball fan, he's going to windmill dunk it. Because if you want to be people of peace and hospitality, if we as beloved I want to show a broken world that there's a place that they can be long, be known, and be loved because our King, Jesus Christ, did that for us, then we need to take ownership for our wrongs. We need to be the first. I'm first in line for that too. We need to take ownership for our wrongs and we need to ask for forgiveness. Kevin, I'm sorry. Miss Sherry, I'm sorry. I was wrong. The hardest words you'd have to say but can I tell you, when you say that, the peace, the relief that you feel, that's God working that heart. Because when we take ownership, God is willing, he is able to forgive us. Because his mercies are new each morning because of his faithful love. 
So I was working through this. I was thinking about the bottom line. We do bottom line. Like, what's the gist? What do you want us to know? And I wanted to come up with a bottom line that would help the kids, that would help the teens, the middle schoolers, the young adults, that would help the church. So beloved kids, if you've been working through with Mr. Reggie, if you've been writing the notes on your sermon notes, this is the bottom line. If you write this, I'll give you Starburst at the end, okay? If you write this down, and it's simple and sweet. God's mercy is great. That's it. God's mercy is great. If you write that down, I'll get you Starburst. God's mercy is great. Now, if you understand the middle school, teenage, young adults lingo, Miss Kim, shout out to you. If you understand that lingo, their verbiage, that, you know, then you'll understand this one. God's mercy always outweighs our flex. God's mercy always outweighs our flex. A flex is just your ability. Yo, check out Reggie's flexing on Kevin. That's what I'm saying. I'm doing something on my own, something better than you. My flex, my ability, and what I bring to the table. But God's mercy always outweighs the flex. And I know it's on the screen. This is for us, church. This is for us. God's mercy will always outweigh our pride and sins. Again, God's mercy will always outweigh our pride and sins. I didn't even drink my water, guys, to slow down. I need help. I need two kids. If you are good at push-ups, I need help, because I want to show you this t teaching on mercy. Who's good at push-ups? Quinn, you're good at push-ups? Come on. I'm not going to do a million. I need one more. Keegan, where you at? All right, you want to come up? What you wearing? Because you always dress beautiful. You wearing a skirt? Okay. Keegan, come on. That's you, bro. Keegan is my son. I have adopted him. Coming up here, Quinn. He looks just like you. Yeah, you'll see. All right, so let's give it up for my boys. We got Q. Quinn's in. Quinn. And we got Keegan. Keegan, come on, man. Watch your step. Watch your step. All right, so this is what we're going to do. Q, you're going to be first. So, Keegan, can you stand right here? Q, you're going to show, I'll show you right here. Give me some knuckles. All right, cool. So we're going to do a push-up competition because I want to I teach you, and parents, this is for you too. Don't let it fool you because I got kids up here, but we're going to do a push-up competition. Now, don't let my dad bod fool you. Don't let my father figure fool you, but production team, media team, get ready to take pictures because your pastor's about to flex out. I don't think they say like about to put some, I don't know, flexing on them. So Q, you and I are going to do push-ups. Okay, let me give you a little space. Okay, Q, you're going to face me this way. Don't kick your daddy's pedals, but you're going to get down. Push, oh, you, you do pull-ups. You're better for pull-ups? Okay. Next week, we do the pull-up bar. So Q, come on down this way. You're going to do push-ups. Keegan, you're going to just watch, okay? So Keegan, um, Q, come on down like me. All right, get this on footage. I want this on film. This, this is once and only time. All right, so we're going to do push-ups. Make sure I have space. All right, just do as many as you can. You ready? All right, count us off. Three, two. All right, here we go. Boom. You got it? Yeah. Can you do a clap? Can you do a uh, push-up clap? Did you get it on film? Did you get it on film? All right, you want knuckles? You want some knuckles? Oh. Ah. All right. Q, you're good. You're good. Give me some. Give it up for Q. Give it up for Q. Stand up. I got you. All right, Q, you're going to tag Keegan. Tag Keegan. Because now you're going to do push-ups, Keegan, against me. Q, stand right there. All right, Nora, my assistant. Nora, can you come on down quickly? We're going to make it a little bit harder because I'm showing you mercy, but I'm going to show you at the end. You'll see the illustration. Watch your step. Keegan, you're going to come down. Nora, you're going to come on my back. All right, this is my beautiful Nora. She's my daughter, so it's okay. All right, Nora, let's go. All right, Nora, hold on. All right, ready? All right, watch the trembling, guys. Here we go. All right, Nora, pull me up. Pull me up. Pull me up. Okay, good job. Can we give it up for the kids? All right, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. 
Nora, stand right there. Let me catch my breath. We should have done this at the beginning. You're right. All right. So we had Q do push-ups. He tagged Keegan. Keegan did push-ups. Keegan, I got a backup for you. Mr. Kevin is a beast at push-ups. Anytime Mr. Kevin and I go to the beach, he makes me run like three, four miles, and then we do workout on the beach in the sand. So Mr. Kevin, can you come up here? Mr. Kevin, can you come up here? Boys, I want you to stand down here. So Mr. Kevin had a little space. I want to look him in his blue, crystal blue eyes. Nora, we got this. All right, Mr. Kevin, you're gonna, Keegan, you're going to tag Mr. Kevin. Mr. Kevin, you're going to come up here. Let's have a gentleman's duel. All right, get this on film. Remember, I got Nora on my back. Nora, let's do it again. Kevin, you got space? Come on down. I'm in the communion table. How far? All right, you got it? Ready? All right, go, Kevin. Go as many as you can. All right, Nora, you're good. All right, Mr. Kevin, can you keep going? Kids, you guys can have your seat. Let's give it up for the kids. Let's go. Nope. Nah, I'm just kidding. Thank you so much, Kevin. Church, and that's it. That is mercy. I don't know if you saw, but I brought up three different people to show you God's mercies, which are new every day. The book of Lamentations, that verse has been such a great spiritual tool, a weapon for me, because when I feel like I messed up, right, that passage of Lamentation reminds me of God's mercies, which are new each morning. Q, tag Keegan, that's another day. And then I didn't bring in another kid. I brought up another person that's stronger because God doesn't just keep the same. He's giving you more. It's like, hey, you ask for forgiveness. I give you this. I want to give you the tools. However, me on this side, what did I do first? I showed off. I put my flex on display. I did the jump clap. Y'all saw it. Don't act like you didn't. Hey, don't act like you didn't. That's going to be the picture on next week's sermon for Kevin. <laughs> Like I did the jump, I did knuckles, I was trying to show off. And then I added weight, the baggage of sin. My daughter's not my sin, okay, but <laughs> Nora, I love you. And we practiced that at home because she was like, Daddy, I'm going to do like, I don't know what to do. But I put Nora on my back and I tried to do it on my own again. Instead of turning to wise counsel, instead of having people in my life that speak truth, calls me out on that, hey, Reggie, that's messed up, that was wrong. I added it. But the believer turned to Christ and said, hey, another day. And then Kevin comes up. And like I knew Kevin could do as many. Kevin and I have done these push-up competitions, and it's a hard. But having Nora extra weight on my back was brutal. So when you think, when you think of God's mercies, think of it that way. That his mercies are new every day. I don't want you to live, and I'm talking to you, beloved. I don't want you to live in that sin anymore. I don't want to live in that sin anymore. I want us to take ownership because when you take ownership, you're bowing, you're relinquishing. That's the key about ownership. In America, when we take ownership, that means it's mine. When I take ownership, I'm saying, God, I'm relinquishing control to you. I'm giving it all to you, and that's what I want, church. When you turn that over to God, he is merciful. He is just, and he will give you his grace he will guide and lead you, and he will give you the strength to walk in his light. Beloved kids, why? Because God's mercy is great. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you can speak truth into our life, and we hear you clearly. We ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy. We ask, we just repent. We need your forgiveness, God. 
because you alone are worthy. You alone can do it for us, God. You have already paid that price. You've paid that cost. 2,000 years ago, you paid that cost. When you were the most powerful is when you were on that cross, when you took on my shame, when you took on my guilt, when you took on my pain, the host of sin that I was going to do, that I would have done, you took it on, God. And so we turn to you in this time and we say, God, we ask for your forgiveness. Teach us, God. Teach us to love the world like you love the world, to be people of peace and hospitality, showing this broken world of every culture, every race, every diversity, that there is a place for them with you, God. There is a seat at the table. So God, we give you our worship and we give you our praise. As we respond in the songs, God, may, be, may, we, may you lead us, God. Lead our hearts. We just thank you for what you're doing.